Hello everyone, welcome to King's Talk presented by Cap City Crown. This is Tony with me as always. We've got John. Well, before we even start talking about the Kings, John, how was your Christmas? Oh, it was great. I got a Adidas tracksuit, so I'm the coolest guy around now. Nice. Well, do you have Adidas running shoes? I do. I'm sponsored by Adidas. So you can do it. You can do what they call the slob squat. You ever heard of that? Oh yeah, yeah. I do the slob squat all the time. I love it. I don't. I don't keep my heels up. You do it all the time. I thought you just got this tracksuit. Oh, I mean that's how you. It's the prerequisite to getting the tracksuit. Mm. You have to be able to prove that you can do it. Pass a test. I see. Yeah, you're new to this, clearly. Yeah, I guess so. Well, not the best week for the Kings. Well, how was your Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> you're just going to ask me about mine? Uh, tell you, me about yours? you got to ask. Okay, it was good. It was It was good. It was a good Christmas. Uh, Sounds like you're a little sad you didn't get an Adidas tracksuit. You know what, John? I got an Adidas tracksuit from my then girlfriend now wife the first christmas we spent together so i didn't need a new one i don't know that's fine do you fit into that anymore no oh. <laughs> so i guess i do need a new one i think he needs a new one so folks if you're listening send, send tony a tracksuit he wears a triple xl <laughs> he's, gonna, he's gonna need it in white so he can get stains all over it when he's eating buffalo wild <laughs> Okay, well, <laughs> the Kings have played four games since we last spoken. Spoke? Spoken? They're one and three. If you went back to the last podcast and we talked about ending the homestand, me and John predicted correctly went one and two with a loss coming against Boston. Boston. And I mean, when did the Kings beat Boston? Right. Um, and just, a, you know, just getting. Absolutely dominated in that contest. Then a win against the Suns, and then a back another back to back loss against the Timberwolves, and then just a very very poor performance against the Suns on Monday night. No, Tuesday night. That was just. I mean, they the, the Portland were are the 14th seed and the 14th team in the Western Conference, whatever you want to call it. That had seven wins. And the Kings made him look like the Boston freaking Celtics. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah. I mean, what, what are your what are your thoughts over, over these last four games? Well, it's the last time I give the Kings any slack because after they lost to Minnesota, I was like, hey, I think that was the best. I mean, no loss is good. But I kind of felt like that, that Timberwolves loss, considering all the other losses and back-to-backs and the big losses where the Kings have just kind of keeled over and given up. I thought that was a decent loss to the Timberwolves. They never gave up. They fought the whole way. I thought they were deserving of some credit for that. And I give them an inch of freaking credit. Give them a little space. What do they do? They go up to Portland, allow them to shoot the lights out from the field, score 30-plus points in the first quarter, score... I think they ended up with 60 points in the paint, despite the fact they scored the third least points in the paint. And they don't even have anybody that can really bully you inside. They couldn't have anybody stop Sabonis, who scored, like, 34 points, 36 yeah, and it's just like, how the hell does that happen? And and who was that one guy that you've never heard of or anyone's never heard of, and he dropped like twenty five on us in the Portland game? Yeah, no, let me like he he just signed like a two a two way contract this year. Was it the the center? Yeah. Oh, uh, forgot his name. Yeah, <laughs> he had like six rebounds in the first three minutes. Yeah, I was like, who is this guy? I mean, no offense to him, and then, I don't know. Nobody could stop Sabonis. <laughs> yeah, dude, no. I mean, Sabonis and Fox combined for 77, I believe, 30, 43 and 34. Mm-hmm. I think the rest, and they end up with 107, 114 points. The rest of the scheme, team scored 37. Yeah. Pretty rough. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> shoot. I mean, it, and that, that wasn't even the issue. It was their defense. Was I mean, like you were saying, it was putrid. And, like, I get it. Like, yeah, they scored 60 points in the paint. And, like, it's easy to point fingers maybe at, like, the bigs. I mean, maybe it's not the easiest. But, I mean, my goodness. Get a stop. <laughs> or just, like, don't let them drive the paint. Scoot Henderson was walking yeah. past Kevin Herter. Walking just into the paint every possession. Yeah. Uh, you just remember Mike Brown talking all throughout last season about... Oh, the- Reef. 
D. Wreath. Wreath? Yeah. Oh, uh, I was going to say Reed, so that makes sense. Yeah. 25 points and 9 rebounds. Career high. Right, good for him. Yeah. It's amazing some of these guys that have big games against the Kings, like uh, Jaden McDaniels had 20 points against the Kings the night before Christmas Eve. And yeah, like you were saying, all of last season, Mike Brown was talking about we got to contain the dribble. Because all of last season, Kings fans were talking about, well, the Kings need a rim protector. They need someone in there that can defend the paint. Well, the way you defend the paint the best <laughs> is to prevent people from getting in the paint in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Simple as that. Because if you are relying on a shot blocker to protect the paint, you're opening, you're actually making your paint defense worse because then you're forcing him to come help. You're giving slack, I guess, to perimeter defenders to not limit their blow buys. I mean, it all starts there. Containing the dribble. Mike Brown said it all last season. I don't think he's used that exact phrase this year, but he's noted the blow buys, the, the late help, late rotations. And by the time all that, you know, is thrown in the air and guys are getting by, Sabonis has to help and then everybody's in rotation mode and it's terrible. I mean, how much does Sabonis have to help? He shouldn't have to help on every freaking play. No, I, I saw a graph and I, I wish I could, I, I wish I could find it again. I think someone posted it on social media um, and it was, it was essentially help defense and effectiveness and being the helper and, and also how many times they had to help. And so, you know, like uh, the, what are they called? Quadrants in the chart and like the top right quadrants, like is the most, like helping the most and also being the most effective. And, like, Sabonis is just right up there. So he's a good helper, but he's also, like, just so far ahead of everyone in having to be a helper. Mm-hmm. Just because so many people get blown by. It's yeah. nuts. It's really bad. It's yeah, really bad. it is really bad. We can get to solutions and stuff like that, but since we're on this topic, it's, it, you know, it's hard to put it on one guy because of the Kings' failure to contain the dribble. It is a team-wide thing around the perimeter. I don't think Fox had a great defensive game, especially to start against Portland. But somebody who's been just atrocious on the perimeter defensively over the last two in particular, and has had a lot of issues on the perimeter defensively, whether it was different stretches last season, early this season, or in the playoffs last year, it's Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter, in my mind, is never going to be a two-way player. No. In my mind, I don't think he's worth what he's being paid. Mm -mm. He contributes to one end of the floor. I think he works hard. I think his mindset is correct. He's upped his rebounding. His half course, half court and full court pace, I mean, he tries, but he's got limitations. And I don't know what to say at this point. I mean, it, it seems like Kevin Herter is good enough to be a starter on a playoff team, not good enough to be a starter on a championship winning team. And he's just, so far he's shown inconsistency in shooting and below average defense. Mm-hmm. And it's very low athleticism. Yeah. He's, you know, he has good game shooting the rock, and he kind of, uh, you know, overshadows his poor defense. But when he's, I mean, he's he's only averaging, I think, eleven points a game this year mm-hmm. from fifteen point six last year. Mm-hmm. He's shooting the ball from three at only a thirty five percent clip this season. That's weird because they're they're really trying to get Keegan Murray to be that third option. When last in the starting lineup, at least when it last year it was Herder, and now Herder is being moved to that fourth option, and he's just kind of I don't know disappeared and not shooting the ball at as as high. I mean, five percent clip difference and three point percentage is huge, and mm-hmm. it's definitely showing. Because I mean, he could be if he's shooting forty percent from three again, he could probably be averaging twelve point five, thirteen points a game. Mm-hmm. But I mean, dipping it down to eleven and just playing so poorly on the defensive end, just letting everyone blow by you, it seems like. I'm personally, I, I think he's on top of my list to get traded before Barnes even now. Yeah, I think, well, I think, yeah. I think, in fact, Barnes, I think, has played fairly well over the last couple of weeks. I think he actually limited Jeremy Grant to 13 points the other night. And mm-hmm. so I think he did a good job on him. And I think he's done a pretty good job on a lot of fours. I think it's easily... In, in my mind, I agree. I mean, I think Herter's definitely the one with the negative spotlight on him in the starting lineup and maybe on the whole team. Mm-hmm. And at least Barnes is versatile, too. He can guard multiple yeah. positions. Herter, versatility is not in his no. scouting report at all. No. Like, <laughs> at all. No. <laughs> it's not. I mean, he can, he can guard the worst two or three. 
Yeah. And the opposing team starting lineup. And that's so important to Brown. I mean, I think he, Brown said at the beginning, I think of his first year, was that the two through four are interchangeable positions. And Herter makes them not be. Yeah. If they want some versatility on defense, on the perimeter, I mean, Herter's the obvious weak spot. Mm-hmm. Because Murray's been pretty good this year, if not almost great. Mm-hmm. Barnes is Barnes. I think he's just, you know, yeah. he can have good games, he can have bad. I think he's like above, maybe slightly above average defender now. But at least he's versatile, right? Mm-hmm. And he handles particular matchups really well. Exactly. He'll really work himself up to have a good defensive game against a really good player. Mm-hmm. Then you got Kayvon. <laughs> just letting Scoot Henderson get in the paint every possession. Yeah, it's rough. It's it's one of those things, too, where you talk about the effort level with him, and the effort level's high. But when you see him decline, because I feel like he actually had a pretty good start to the season, in, in, at least in terms of keeping the negative attention away. Yeah. Especially in the preseason, I feel like it was very easy to hone in and kind of go like, Ooh, I don't know about this guy. He's not, uh, he's not too good out there on the perimeter. And he kind of held his own for the first month or so of the season. But it's really starting to come back. And it's almost that fatigue thing, too. And you factor in the fact that the effort's never dipped. I mean, I've never felt like he's had a bad attitude about things or anything like that. He's always Mm -hmm. come at it earnestly. But that kind of says to me, like, well, how much further is your ceiling on this? And it doesn't seem much higher. Mm -hmm. And again, it's like, man, I don't know if this guy should be getting paid. Was he getting 14 or 15 a year? Yeah. Something like that. It's just like, I feel like the amount of games he's playing closer to 20 minutes rather than 30 as a starter is much higher this season. I don't even know. Is there a difference in his minutes this season? Let me look. Because I want a lot of times where he plays himself off the floor. And he's shooting like 30% this month. He had a decent month of November. I think he shot 38%, 39% in November. A good month of November. You know, you, you talk about the defensive shortcomings. You talk about some of the issues of fatigue and conditioning that we talked about last year. I mean, his effort is so high now. It's just the results, especially defensively, and even with his shooting, are getting worse and worse. It's just like... Again, how much can you actually improve that? Because it doesn't seem like there's that much progress in that department. Yeah, he's playing four less minutes a game. He went from 29.4 last year to 25 this year, shooting exactly five points lower on his three-point percentage and averaging almost five points less a game, 4.6 less points a game. The only thing he's doing better this season is rebounding. Yeah, And that's great, but... I don't know. You can find other people to rebound. Yeah, Kessler Edwards better. can rebound. Yeah, Kessler Chris Edwards Duarte can rebound. You know? I don't know. It gets to it gets to this point where... Terrence Davis can rebound. TD, sign him. Get him. Get him on the squad. Grab him. Get him. Get him and then give him his original number nine. <laughs> yeah. Herder's got to wear number 77. It's, yeah. 77. <laughs> you got to be like Luca. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny. It's your only hope. But, um... Without, I guess, it's because it's not all Herder's fault. No. Well, the Kings need to upgrade at the two if they want to be a championship contender. It's really starting to look like that. Yeah. Which is crazy, because last year it's like Kevin Herter, baby. Mm. It's crazy because of that, but it's also, if you just look at it in the context of the last four months, it's not that crazy. That is true. And even the end of last, more like the yeah, last the, yeah, calendar since, year, really. Since April, really. Yeah. yeah. You're right. But it's just kind of starting to look like Mike Brown needs some help. And I don't know who he needs help from. Does he need help from his players? Does he need help from his GM? Does he need help from himself and his coaches? And I have a question for each of those questions. Starting with, does Mike Brown need help from his players? Does the leadership on this team, particularly from Fox and Sabonis, need to be better? Yeah, I think it does. I think like Fox and Sabonis are very... They're nice guys. I think Sabonis maybe come off as like a more vocal leader. Like we were talking earlier, he's not really like in your face. He's more, like you said, encouraging, which is good. Like you want to be encouraging, but at times you want to, you know, yell at someone. It's like, all right, like you messed up. Like it, it's it's not so much being a dick, but just being. It's what Mike Brown said after the, I think the Celtics loss. You got to be able to get in, or he might have said it after a different loss, but I thought about it because he said similar comments after the Celtics loss. You, if you're not getting the defensive effort or the results from your teammates, somebody needs to get in his face with passion and demand it. Mm-hmm. And you don't get that from Fox or Sabonis. You don't get it from either. And Fox seems to be, 
I don't know. Sometimes and we, we've had this question about Fox for a while now. Yeah. If he's, he's a leader and he just kind of sometimes he just acts like the, it feels like like basketball is his day job. And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> just like, all right. Kind of like like Jokic in a way. Uh, but I, mean, I, mean, I can kind of respect that. but <laughs> I can too. But it's also like he's also not Jokic. <laughs> so, I mean, you need a little more from that. I mean, he has that clutch gene. So, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to say because I don't want to say he doesn't step up after being the clutch player of the year. But I don't know. We're talking about leadership here. It, it, that is he, true. It is leadership. He, he does need to get more. He needs to amp his team up the level he gets himself at. It's easier mm-hmm. for him, obviously, to take that next step. But he needs to, you're right. It is more about leadership. That's what we're talking about. So he needs to be a leader, not just on the floor. I mean, he does on the floor, obviously. But like he can do it for himself. He can lead his team to a victory. But he needs to get everyone else. Because he can't do it all alone. Yeah. And you saw it like, in that Portland game. I'm like, all right. Bad first half, but I think it was only, what, 10 or 7 points at the half? I don't think it was a crazy deficit because Fox hit that 3 going into halftime. Yeah, they were down 7. They were down 7. I'm like, this is bad, but we can they they can get back into it. And that's when I want like Fox or Sabonis to go in the locker room and yell at some guys. I mean, that sounds bad, but it's just like, all right, guys. Yeah, you're not saying be Draymond Green. You're- yeah, it's just like, let's go. Let's get the team amped. Let's... Hold people accountable. And yeah. I, you know, I don't know what's happening in the locker room, but the way they came out and played in the second half, I don't think that happened. Yeah. You, well, it was one of those things where, especially the way they ended the second quarter, it felt like, oh, they're going to come out and make some adjustments. The second half is going to be a lot different. They're going to handle them. They're going to win this game. I kind of honestly thought that. Mm-hmm. And it didn't happen at all. And that's why you need those guys, like you, like players. Like we talked about this a lot last year in the springtime. <clears throat> who's the, who's the, what was the term we used? Was it attack dog? Yeah. Like, who's I think the bulldog? So. Who's mm-hmm. the, the pit bull on the team? And we were kind of like, you know, Fox is a little bit. You kind of saw it late in the year. You saw it in the playoffs a little bit. But it's not even necessarily about being the attack dog. It's really about just being the alpha among the team. Mm-hmm. And he's more of a lead by example guy. He'll turn on. He'll get mad. He'll get mad at the refs and all this stuff. And then he'll just do it with his actions. But it doesn't always bring out the best from his teammates. And when you think about that element of him being a clutch player, that's him going out and getting things on his own. He knows how to do things on his own. He needs to be a better leader of men as a player because you need those leaders. Mike Brown talks about it all the time. He talked about it in his first year here in training camp that you have to get to a point where your players are doing what you want. You trust your players. They trust you. They're using the same language as you, playing the way that you want. Because at the end of the day, it's up to them. And the best coaches in the in the history of the NBA, we're all able to sit back and kind of let their players kind of do things on their own. And Fox should be the guy that steps up and does more of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's the leader of the team. He's been in sack the longest. This was this is this is Fox's team over Sabonis's. Yeah, in my opinion, oh, I, I think, think Sabonis would agree with that. Yeah, exactly. And so you just need it from him. And there's just not an. I mean. You can give it to Sabonis because, I mean, if Fox, you know, it obviously comes from Fox. Like, you want it from Fox because people respect Fox. But if Fox respects someone else like Sabonis, then Sabonis can take it over because then people respect the guy who the best player respects. Uh-huh. It's kind of how it goes. But I just, you know, you're not getting it from Sabonis. And there's not a real clear third guy that would do it. Like, Trey Lyles is great, but like, is your bench guy really going to be, I mean, he can be, he can be, a guy who gets everyone pumped up, that's different from a leader at yeah. the same time. That's and, true. And he's not like a solid, he's not, he doesn't have a championship. You could, you could get it from Barnes. That's Barnes, who I was going to say. But Barnes isn't that guy either. Because Mike Brown was talking about, he's like, well, you need, because I think he got asked after the Celtics loss when he was alluding to he needs more leadership from his, his stars. He was asked about it and he clarified, he's like, well, you got to think about it. like Tim Duncan when he started out wasn't really a vocal leader, but you had guys like Avery Johnson on that team. Mm-hmm. You had these kind of players. So it's like, it doesn't necessarily have to come from Fox and Sabonis. I do think it is on them to be better at that. But you could also get that from somebody like a veteran like Barnes. Yeah. But a vet who has a resume. Yeah. I mean, Barnes has everything. Exactly. But he just doesn't have the... He's not that kind of leader. No. He's more of a steadying force. He, he's also... He's a, a lead by example. He's a total lead in. by example guy as well. So... 
I mean, and I'll give some credit to Sabonis because we were talking about Herder getting beat up defensively in that Minnesota game. And I feel like there was a moment like this earlier in the season or maybe even in the preseason. And I think I took note of it on the site. But Jaden McDaniels got by Herder. Herder like he was on ice skates, literally like at the K Street Mall, ice skating around. And, you know, Sabonis has to come help, can't get there in time, and McDaniels gets this finish. Again, McDaniels, the defensive player who averages nine points a game, finished with 20 points in that game. <laughs> and Sabonis, you know, ball comes through the net, grabs it, slams it, inbounds it, tell him, urging him, come on, you know, like you can hear it. And so, like, there's some some of that from Sabonis, but it's not persistent enough. Mm-hmm. So, does Mike Brown need help from the guys he has? Like, yeah. I think so. I think there's an element of that that there's a huge case for the leadership needs to be better on this team. Yeah, for sure. So. It's all good. I mean, they have great chemistry. Yeah, and that's like one of the Kings is I think highlights of mm-hmm. who they are as like in their identity. So they have great camaraderie. But yeah, and people are allowed. They always talk about how they're allowed to make critiques. Mm-hmm. They're allowed to tell a teammate you didn't do anything wrong because they're all in on the same goal. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not hurting my feelings. You're just. So it seems like the environment is set up for that, but nobody's really capitalizing on that opportunity mm-hmm. to mold into the leader they need. Because I think everybody needs that kind of leader. Yeah. Especially in the NBA. It's so competitive. I mean, this is the highest level of competition in the yeah. world yeah. for basketball. I mean, you- And you talk about all the little like this not starting games well or not taking opponents seriously or kind of letting things sag defensively for a few quarters. It's almost like the best solution to that other than personnel you know improvements but that's another conversation aside from that the best way to fix that kind of stuff is player leadership demanding more of your teammates the coaches can only do so much when it comes to motivation and stuff like that at the end of the day i mean it's like what tristan thompson said you don't need no coach to go out and motivate you you should be out there motivating yourself and what the hell and some of that is kind of lacking on this team, and I think it starts at the top in terms of the roster. So you score, you combine for seventy something points, and like Mike Brown said after the game, yeah, well they were good offensively, but like everybody else, they weren't that good defensively. Mm-hmm. Although I wouldn't give that much crap to Savonis defensively; he tries to do a lot. Yeah, but okay. So can I think it sounds like the players can help Mike <clears throat> Brown out a little bit? Can Monty McNair help Mike Brown out a little bit? I mean, you talking about through like roster additions? Yeah. I mean, yeah, of course he can. I mean, okay, this is a weird question. Because, like, yeah, he can. But at the same time, if you look at the Kings' assets and stuff and who's available, even, like, through free agency, like, yeah, you pick up Wantis, Conor Anderson. It's like, come on. Like, yeah, that's not a crazy. That's not going to do a, a lick of difference. Other except, I mean, he's more of not, like, what can McNair do? I mean, I guess... I guess I was thinking more like what they can do on the court because Toscano Anderson seems more like what he can do from like what we we're just talking about in the locker room. He's more of that player coach. He has championship experience. He's not going to see the floor a lot, but he has that experience. He's a plus defender. Um, so I think he was kind of brought in for more of that player coach role. But I mean, for actual players to get to actually help on the floor on a nightly basis. Mm-hmm. It's just tough. I just don't think the Kings have a lot of assets at the moment to get a big name. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a big name. I don't know. The NBA is just so weird. I feel like everyone, anyone that's decent or that's a decent 3 and D guy, mm-hmm. which is basically what every team needs. Like everyone, like I read that, like Royce O'Neal is a name that I made a post today or yesterday. And like, he would be a great player for the Kings to add. 3 and D guy. It's what the Kings need. Mm-hmm. And he's on an expiring deal. And the Nets are like asking for like a, a protected first round pick. Granted, yeah. it's protected. But it's like, I don't know. I, I don't see McNair giving up a protected first round for half a season of Royce O'Neal. Mm-hmm. At least this year. Maybe next year if the Kings things are moving in a different direction. And you just need that little extra help. But I mean, who else is there that you can grab... I mean, at this point, I'd be willing to trade Herder or Barnes for an upgrade, mm-hmm. a defensive upgrade at least. I would, I'm willing to lose a little offense. I just don't know. I mean, Herder and Barnes still have trade value around the league more than Davion Mitchell, even though he's brought up in every trade scenario. I don't know. I it's just hard. It's, it's the Kings are in a weird spot. They're and I think 
having Keegan Murray makes it, I think we talked about this a while ago too, is that like having Keegan Murray is like a curse and a blessing. Cause in the, it's a curse in the trade market. Cause everyone wants Keegan Murray. Yeah. And like, well, if you don't have, if you're not offering Keegan, we like, we're hanging up this phone. Mm-hmm. And so it's like having Keegan Murray just shuts down a lot of trade talks. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you're not giving up Murray. We don't, we don't want to talk to you. Right. Which is fair. But I just, the Kings just don't have that many assets. We already don't have a first round to give up this year. I mean, do you want to trade another first away in a couple seasons? For a role player? For a role player who might not be here in two years. Yeah, I mean, at this rate, if you adding a midseason and having to thrust them into a new. Yeah, exactly. I mean, rather, it doesn't really seem like McNair's. Doesn't seem like a McNair move. That's a great point. It doesn't. You, it's in the offseason, sure. Go for it. Mm-hmm. But midseason, especially on the Kings, they just. And midseason screws with value, too, because teams are more desperate. Mm-hmm. There's a deadline. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to get stuff done. It's better for sellers. Yeah. It's really not in the advantage of a buyer. Mm hmm. It's difficult. I mean, like, you put out some decent names on your list, like Dorian Finney-Smith, but it's like the realism of that. Yeah. Or Isaac Okoro on Cleveland, who's actually playing because Darius Garland's hurt. So yeah. It doesn't sound like they're going to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. It's just like, ah. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. It's almost like they can't really do anything. It, exactly. So, I do have a question, though. Based on the results we're getting from this roster, did McNair settle too much on the roster? Should he have made different improvements? Or could he have had made different improvements? Because we are always giving McNair credit, and he deserves a lot of it. But I think the question should be raised. I mean, like, Mike Brown isn't necessarily getting this group to ascend at the rate we thought they were going to ascend at. And maybe that's our fault. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know. I don't think it's McNair's fault. I think it would have been a mistake to... You know, I even get rid of anyone in that starting lineup. They were really good last year. Mm-hmm. Even bringing in Barnes was like okay, but it's like you, if you lost Barnes, who who's playing small forward right now? That's true. And Kessler Edwards, which I mean, I like. I mean, we'll probably get more on Ke later, but I don't think Ke's a starting small forward to replace Barnes right now. And I think that's a big risk for the Kings and McNair. And it's like yeah, you got to take risks, but mm-hmm. and I think it was. It was a little too hard to blow up a team that just ended your 16-year playoff trout that had great chemistry. But now, you know, this is when you, this, I think next season is going to be a lot more. It's hard to, it's hard to be like, all right, well, let's, we we lacked here. Like they, they, they only improved last season. So let's run this team back. Let's see if they can get better. Yeah. With their, he's he's got the space to work with. He does. No one's expecting a championship this season. No, no one's expecting. Next year though, a lot changes. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think it'll be a better question next year. I, I, I think he's fine. I don't think there's still many critiques on McNair. And yeah. I, I think the deadline is going to be relatively quiet again. I would imagine. I, it, you might I, see another move like, like a Kessler Edwards move mm-hmm. where it's really low risk. Mm-hmm. But I think people are going to be upset about it. But once we have that draft pick and trade someone, I, I, I think a, a first rounder will be traded again. I, I don't see the Kings keeping that 27th mm-hmm. or... 2026. 20, right. I don't see the Kings keeping the 2026 20, first rounder because yeah. we have to keep the 25. Right. Because we, we won't have the 24. But I think that 26 will be used smartly because he knows. Yeah. And you have to, I mean, I'm not saying Fox and Sabonis are old, but I mean, their championship windows around where they are right now. Yes. And, and within the next three years, three, four years. It's getting there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do agree. I think McNair has done the best that he can given the circumstances. Can he help them? Can he help Mike Brown out? I don't know. I guess we're going to have to see. That is definitely a tougher question. Mm -hmm. But can Mike Brown help himself? You know, he talks a lot about to make or miss league. There's going to be some nights where you miss threes. And we've seen a lot of that over the last couple of weeks, you know. And uh, it comes down to being able to defend, lean on your defense, make a game dirty. If the other team's shooting, make it as hard for them as possible and make it a game. And they did the best job of doing that, I think, against Minnesota. They fought till the end. But with the personnel, guys like Herter and stuff like that, and again, I don't want to single out Herter, but he just seems kind of like the most prominent figure here. Should Mike Brown shake things up? I mean, he's got defenders on this team. 
Duarte played pretty well the other night. I think you'll start to see him in the rotation. I think Mike Brown said it was either last week or the week before. And I don't even think he was necessarily prompted to say this. It wasn't like someone asked, like, hey, is there somebody that you kind of wish you could give more minutes to? I don't believe that was the question. But he did come out and say, you know, a guy that I think is always doing the right thing and working hard and a guy that I'd love to give more opportunities to, they just haven't really been there, is Kessler Edwards. We saw Kessler Edwards plug in last season. Despite being that lone trade deadline acquisition that was not blowing people away or anything like that, he was a tremendous help to the team down the stretch on both ends of the floor, namely defense, obviously. You know, seeing him guard Anthony Edwards and Devin Booker. Does Mike Brown need to shake things up, get those guys in there? I mean, we saw Chris Duarte play so on the preseason with the starters. We've seen KE do it last season. I mean, he can probably help himself out here a little bit. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Before you start looking out in trades, I mean, maybe look on what you have on the team right now. Mm -hmm. And that's someone I didn't even think about making that list today. I'm like, yeah, Kessler Edwards. When you brought it up, I'm like, sure. I mean, defensive, long. He he can shoot the three from what we've seen at a respectable clip. He's not going to shoot 38%. Maybe, maybe with more opportunity. But when his, like, spare, his spare minutes... He's shooting, what, like 35% from three? He's about a 35, 36% shooter. Yeah, which is, again, respectable. I And I think I already said it on this podcast. I would lose some offense for some defense at this rate. And I, watching the Trailblazers shoot like 60% from the field. You can't trade buckets with teams. No, not forever. No, because you're giving them more confidence. Exactly. So I, I defense wins championships. Brown is, you know, really trying to instill that defensive culture in the Kings this year. It's only so much. Like, Herter is limited in what he can do defensively. I'm not saying don't start the guy, but at least at the moment. At the moment. It, I, I would say, I would say, actually, think? I think they should just go start Duar- Duarte for three games and see what happens. That'd be interesting. I don't see why not. If you're all in on the goal, it shouldn't hurt Herter's feelings. That's fair. Maybe maybe let Duarte prove himself a little more first. Give him some rotational Give him minutes. some rotational minutes and bring in Edwards too. Yeah. Bring in Edwards for some rotational minutes. Because yeah. he, he, Edwards, and we were talking about this earlier, like I, what I really want the Kings to have are some versatile defenders. And that's exactly what Kessler Edwards is. I can see him guarding the two through the four. Absolutely. He yeah. fits that bill. It perfectly. And Barnes, to an Barnes to an extent. Herder doesn't. And so Edwards, bring him in. Yeah. I think that would be a very interesting lineup, even over Duarte. One of the things, too, and I know we love the guy, but, I mean, I think you got to start giving Edwards nods over Vizenkov. <sighs> I think Vizenkov has some really good games, but there's a lot of games where he goes in there and the shot's not falling and he doesn't get a big play and kind of build off. And he can really build off of things, but if nothing really happens, then he'll just kind of lay a goose egg, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think Vizenkov is still he's still a rookie in this league, still working on things. And I still think when we talked two weeks ago, could this guy be a starter? I still think that down the road could potentially happen. I mean, we are talking a lot about defense here. It kind of raises that into question a little bit more. But in terms of shaking up the rotation, and we talked about this at the beginning of the season, you know, Kessler Edwards in summer league and preseason showed that he can really impact the boards. And it's like, okay, so you can feel comfortable playing this guy as a small four. And, you know, you see a lot of Vizenkov and Lyles playing, you know, the four and five as the backup to Simonis. Just put Edwards in there. We were talking about it. I mean, Vizenkov is your offensive option. Edwards is kind of the defensive side of that coin mm-hmm. in terms of that rotational role. I think you got to mix it up. Get Duarte in the rotation. Get K- Kessler. Edwards. keep calling K.E. It's like <laughs> as if that's like a universal nickname for him. If you listen to this podcast, it is. But, hey, yes. you never know. You know, get those guys in there. You just you have to try it. And Mike Brown said it multiple times this season so far. I'm not afraid to change the rotation. I'm not afraid to mix things up. Well, do it. Yeah, <laughs> do it. For like, real. Come on. You're, For you're real. about 30 games in now. I mean, I think 28, 29. So it's like now or never. I mean, mix it up. You're losing games to teams that you shouldn't be losing to. You're killing yourself in the standings. You could come back in March and end up being a playing team because you lost to the Trailblazers. You lost to all these crappy teams in December and January. Knock it off. Yeah. Figure it out. You're getting to a point where you're almost at the midway point of the season. Figure it out. I think he could definitely help himself out if he gives those guys an opportunity. Mix it up. You know? I mean, at this rate. Seriously. The Kings are just coming off as a very stagnant team. Like, 
How much better are they from last year? Barely. Yeah. Yeah. Not much better. No. A little better. But just like... And I, like we said, they're almost not, more inconsistent this season. That is very true. Their highs are higher, but like in terms of overall performance, mm-hmm. but I think they're far more inconsistent this season. That's a great point. I don't think the Kings last year would have lost four back-to-back games. No, I they think were, they thrived in yeah, those situations. They did. Yeah, they seemed they they just had more grit. They were very what's the word? Um, or resilient. Uh, resilient, exactly. They're very resilient now. That it's like okay, we made the playoffs. Yeah. Take a step back. We're a good team now. And they're still like they're still a good team. They're seventeen and twelve? I think so. Six in the conference, I think. Yeah, which is good. Yeah. But I guess it's just that maybe they I was gonna say they have the pieces. Maybe they don't. Because their defense is shit. It is yeah, so bad. Really it is bad. so bad. But that's why Mike Brown's gotta orient the rotation because there are defenders on this team and if you can't evaluate what they provide to you because you're not really playing them consistently, then what's McNair supposed to do? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to mortgage my future to, <laughs> to, I don't know. It's 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 kind of tough. I don't know, though. But I, I, I want to see Duarte and Kessler Edwards get at least 10 minutes over these next couple of games. I do, too. See what they can do. I mean, see if that play, helps the D. They play Atlanta on Friday. Yeah. I don't know who they play after that. Or Oh, Memphis. I think it's Memphis on Me- New Year's Eve. Of course, we play Memphis after they get Jaw back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, get them when they were the bottom of the conference. If we get the, watch the watch the Pistons and their losing streak against the Kings. <laughs> that would suck, dude. That would be crazy. That would be the worst thing. I wonder who the Kings single handedly saved Monty Williams' job, dude. I know. Monty. I was not expecting this from Monty Williams, but Kate Christensen made a great point on the broadcast yesterday, where it's like, this is why it's important to have a few veterans on the team. That is true. Because I'm like, I was looking at Portland. I'm like looking at their starting line. I'm like Brogdon, Grant. Like all these guys are going to be gone after February. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, are they? That's a good point. You do need some stability there to kind of, like what are those sticks called that you tie a plant to to make it grow straight? I don't know. But I know well, you need a few about. of those. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's a good point. I, well, they have Bogdanovich. Yeah. But Alec Burke this season. God, they do have a very young team. Joe Harris. That's about it, though. Joe Harris on the team? Yeah. Why? Why'd you go there? Yeah, I know. Joe Harris, Alec Burks, and Bogdan. Dang. Kate Cunningham got 41 the other day. Jeez. Nice. Having some games. Cade? What's up, Cade Cunningham? Arcade Cunningham. I love how James Wiseman and the Marvin and the Marvin and Marvin Bagley are on this team. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I like how Judy and Ivy's on this team too. I, I made this post the other day. <laughs> it was it was after the Pistons lost their twenty fifth in a row. And J and Ivy went and said during like the, the oh, pre draft, yeah. he's like, Yeah, going to Sacramento wouldn't be the worst option, I guess. Right. Right. And he's like kind of alluding to Sacramento's culture and their losing culture. And like now you've lost the record amount of games in one season. And and one game from tying the all time NBA record. Yeah. And two games from setting it. Yeah, that whole summer, I mean, like, that was just an unfortunate timing for Jaden Ivey, I guess, because he's clearly not thinking for himself with that opinion. And if anybody was paying attention, they should have known that the Kings were on an upturn. I mean, it was so clear to, to, to us following the team. Yeah. And it's just like, to hear that, you're just like, I don't feel bad for you, dude. Exactly. <laughs> I don't feel bad for you. And it's not like they were good. It sounded like the Kings had Murray as their number two overall prospect on the board. So it wasn't. Behind who, Banchero? Probably. Banchero? Banchero. That's crazy. We had him, like, number three. I, ever, I always thought he was going to go three. And I was, like, hella good. Yeah. Holmgren's really good, too, though. Holmgren's going to be, yeah, he's he's getting a little bullied by some big guys, but he's definitely showing a lot, and it's his first season. Yeah. So it'll be interesting what he can do down the how's, road. How's Jabari Smith Jr.? Uh, I think he's he's having a pretty good year with Houston. How is he? You threw me off when you called him Jabari Smith Jr. I was I feel like I only know him by Jamari Smith. <laughs> so I was like, who? That's his dad. <laughs> That's right. Played for the Kings. Yeah. He's doing um, well. Yeah, he's having a good year. I mean, I think everybody in Houston's having a pretty good year. I know. So weird. Hey, they turn their defense around. Yeah, That's what you got to do. So it happens do. when you... I mean, Dylan Brooks. That's a guy I kind of wish the Kings went after. And... Over Barnes. That's a guy I'm like, I get it. Like, yeah. He's had, I don't know, I, I like Brooks. I'm like, this is a guy who can... You talk about that kind of pit bull mentality. Mm-hmm. Blacking on the team. It wouldn't have been a bad thing. No, I would have been happy with that. 
I mean, what is, he's having a good offensive year, isn't he? He's having, like having an efficient season. I yeah. Let me look. I mean, he's because he's always he was always kind of like a ball trucker. I mean, last year he shot <laughs> under forty percent, right, yeah, yeah. which was kind of his biggest deal. But 47, 40, almost forty eight percent on the field and forty percent, almost forty one from three. Crazy. Yeah, that'd be helpful, dude. <laughs> that'd be massively helpful. Would they? What, what if they got? What if they got Brooks, but were able to keep Barnes and trade Herder? Would they start all three of those? Yeah. Why not? I'm trying to. I would even start. Like Murray got the two. Yeah, I mean, you'd be mixing up the. It wouldn't really matter. That'd be crazy, dude. Yeah. And it's almost. It really makes you think. It's like it almost seems like the big key. It doesn't necessarily have to be a specific name because once you start throwing Ananobi out there, you really start kind of taking away that believability. But if you, you just thinking about it strictly as getting the two through four being as versatile and interchangeable as possible with guys that should be starting, you know, not cast, not banking on a Kessler Edwards, just like that seems like that could really be the simple solution. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm like. Herder is just the odd man out. Like even Barnes, like we said, to an extent can do that. Yeah. Do you, do you, I want him tall. I want him long. I want him athletic. Yeah. I mean, if Barnes is your fifth best starter with a guy that's an upgrade over her on, you know, one end and technically overall because he's playing both ends of the floor, then nobody's going to be complaining about Barnes. Yeah. And and credit to Barnes, too. Like I said, he's been playing pretty well. I know he only had nine points against the Trailblazers, but I felt like outside of Fox and Sabonis and then maybe Murray, uh, Barnes was trying to look for a shot. Barnes is just kind of like one of those guys. Like, I wouldn't be upset if they traded him for like you know someone who maybe can play defense a little better. Yeah, I think or it was a little younger. Like, all right, yeah. I, I won't be sad if Barnes goes. True, but it, it, as long as he's like the main part of the package, mm-hmm. and you're kind of getting like an equal component. Yeah, I but agree. I'm just kind of like you know, I don't know. He's kind of in a weird position. He is. He is, but it's just like with her there. It's like. Let's not talk about Barnes. So, I feel like all the focus needs to go to headband her, who got his headband knocked off. Game. And I'm like, I because t- I, I was watching the game with my mom, and she loves Kevin Herter. And I'm just like, I think it's time for the headband to go. I think it's got to go. It does. I think when he wore it to that three-point contest, I think he looks so stupid. Ugh. Missing every three-pointer, he wore a headband to a three-point contest. That is so rough. And you're like, like just from the looks, I mean, like Herter looks like a teenager. He's like kind of like a does. scrawny, like... Baby face. He still feels like he has baby fat on his face. You know, I know. He's pale. He's got the bright red hair. It's not like one of those redheads that had red hair when he was young and then it became blonde. It's like, no, he's still got the freaking bright red hair. There's just something kind of awkward and silly about her. It just kind of makes me go like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of reading off of just intangible traits that have nothing to do with basketball <laughs> here, but I'm just like, I don't know. He's not a killer. He doesn't come off as a killer. <laughs> he's not a killer. Seems like a nice guy. Seems calm. But, yeah, I always think about that three-point contest. I didn't even watch it, and I'm glad I didn't. I I was doing something. I'm like, dang, I can't watch it. And I'm like, ooh. With, like, Halliburton, like, commentating it. (laughs) Yeah. Halliburton. Halliburton sounds, speaking of someone who sounds like a teenager. Dude. (laughs) Did you see what he wore the other day? Or tonight? Oh, God. I forget. Oh, he, he, he just, like, Steve from Blue's Clues. It's interesting. Well, let us know. Who do you guys think? Do you think Scherter? Do you think Chris Duarte should come in and get the starts over Herder? Yeah. And maybe, you know, give give Herder a little bit of a wake-up call. And then maybe, I don't know. It's just at this point, it just seems like his length is too small. His his wingspan is not that extensive. Mm -hmm. And his feet are too slow. Yeah. That's and it just seems like that's just going to be the downfall of Kevin Herter. Yeah, and he's just an inconsistent three point shooter too. I don't know if you said this on the podcast or you said it before we started recording, but I kind of thought it was a good way to put it. It's like Herter can start on a team, and that team could be a playoff team. But if you want to be a championship team, I don't know if Herter's a starter. And it's like once you start thinking about him off the bench, it's like I don't know if he's gonna be taking minutes away. He's definitely not gonna be taking minutes away from Monk, and I don't even think he'd be taking minutes away from Keon Ellis. Mm-mm. Because he's at least doing stuff defensively. I don't know. It's weird. It is weird. 
it does kind of start feeling like that thing where maybe it doesn't happen this season, but maybe in the off season where the Kings do really upgrade there. It kind of felt like this. I was. It was a matter of time for this to really kind of balloon again because it was really a big topic in the preseason. Kevin yeah, Herter and Duarte and all that. It was. I mean, we, there was discussions like how long to the season until Duarte replaces Herder. Yeah, I mean, we had that talk before the season began. Yeah, and, and I mean, after opening night, I don't think Herder had a very good defensive game at all. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "How long is his leash?" Yeah, and he, he again, he got the 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 heat off of him, but. He had a couple only, big offensive games, though, too. True. And especially when his offense is hurting. Yeah. It's like... I mean, he shot 39% in November. It was easy to forget about mm-hmm. any defensive mistakes. And if he made one or two, it wasn't like, okay, whatever. You can live with that. And threw up a couple of high team games, a couple 20-point games. Yeah. But now it's like, you're over here scoring 10 points a game or less, and you're playing crap defense. It's easy to forget about his crap defense when he dropped 26 points. Yeah. But it's like... Because he's right. probably still making a positive effect. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, okay, now you're doing neither. Mm-hmm. And you're just a hole in the lineup. Yeah, a little bit. Kevin Herter. How the mighty fall. It happens. It happens. Anything else on these notes? I don't know. I feel like it'll be a quick turnaround in the next episode. Won't it? When will we be recording it? Uh, probably, well, probably not Monday because I'm off. Yeah. So, I don't, well, when do the Kings play? Well, they play Sunday. I, have no idea. I don't remember what happened. I don't know what happens in 2024. <laughs> Either is this the last podcast of 2023? It is. It, I think it is. It is. Hope you guys all had a good 2023. A better 2024. Let's see. They play Sunday. That's New Year's Eve, right? Yeah. Oh shoot. We might actually have to do it New Year's. Or yeah, that's fine. I can probably do it New Year's Day. You want to do it at like night? Let me text you. It's either Monday or Thursday. If we if we end up doing it on New Year's Day, it'd, it'd probably be another 30, 45 minute one. Mm, yeah. Like that, just because it's such a quick turnaround. But we can reflect on 2023. Like we did last year, reflecting on 2022. I love it. All right. Well, look forward to that, folks. Well, is that it? Is that all we got today? I mean, unless you want to... I don't. No, I, I, I think that was a healthy conversation. I think it um, was. I mean, I felt like... I mean, it had been three games since we last talked, but... Or it had been four. 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 But it just, it, was it just, really felt like this Portland and the Minnesota game were the ones to really focus on. Yeah, you kind of knew they were losing the Celtics. And you just kind of knew they weren't going to lose to the Suns. Yeah. Especially without Beal there. Yeah. So, Kings, they start... They don't start a road trip, per se. Because they do come back after two games on the road. They do play seven of their next nine on the road, though. So, it's going to get tough. Oh, wait. No, actually. I'm sorry. I don't think it's seven of nine on the road. I think it's seven of nine under five that against teams that are under ah, 500. You're right. My bad. Okay. So, seven of the next nine. So, in the next nine games, what's the bare minimum the Kings should go? What are the games? Bare, do you have the, here, the schedule in front of you? You just pull up the schedule. Pull up yes. the schedule. Ladies and gentlemen, we're pulling up the schedule. Meow, meow, meow. That's like my uh, elevator music. Yeah, or waiting. Yeah, our wait. Okay, so the Kings play the Hawks on Friday, Memphis on Sunday, and it's hard to call. I mean, with John Morant, Memphis do, is a good team. They're <laughs> a good team. So then they play Charlotte on Tuesday, back to back against Orlando. Right, that's gonna be a tough one. Yeah, because Orlando's playing well this season, and the Kings do not match up well with Orlando. The Raptors on Friday. That could also be an interesting matchup. Uh, and then they play New Orleans on Sunday. Ooh, back the seventh. Back against New Orleans. Yeah, it's at, at home. home. At home. Okay. Um, then they go to Detroit. Hopefully pick Don't up Don't lose that. Don't lose Don't that one. Don't freaking give them a breath of life. And then they play the Hornets on the 10th. And another back-to-back. Right. And then it gets a little difficult. Sixers, Milwaukee, Suns, Pacers. <laughs> Atlanta, Golden State, Dallas. It actually gets kind of tough. Yeah, it does. I mean, even that schedule you're describing, I mean, like, Toronto's not necessarily a great team, but I feel like they, being a long athletic team, that could be tough for the Kings. Yeah. You're talking about... They played the Hornets twice. They played the Pistons. Yeah. So it's like they, they those games are sprinkled in there. I think they, I I mean, bare minimum five and four. Mm-hmm. Hopefully six and three. Yeah. That'd be interesting. I know Charlotte came into Sacramento last season and beat them. And they play Charlotte in the span of a week or two. Yeah. Twice, I mean. Mm-hmm. So that can always be difficult. I don't know. I mean, this could actually end up being kind of a 
tough stretch for the Kings. I don't think so. You don't think so? I think I think five and four is bare minimum. Mm-hmm. I think they can realistically go six and three. I know they're not playing. I know the last four games haven't been going that well. But that, I mean, that's that was coming off like a really good stretch. Hell, of basketball. They've, they've also been so inconsistent. I wouldn't be surprised if they have the best game of their life. That, that is very <laughs> Friday. That's a good point. Yeah. It's I don't know. I still hold them to a high standard, regardless of these past four games, regardless of that Portland game itself. They're still a winning team. Yeah, they're still a team I think can get past the first round in the playoffs. I agree. I, I I'm going to predict six and three. Okay. And we can check back in like three weeks because it's going to be a minute before they get through nine games. But I predict six three, six and three right now. What about you? I I'm feeling a little chaotic. I'm going to say they go four and five. Interesting. Okay. I don't have specific mindset on which games they win and lose, but I just I don't know. I have a I have a bad feeling. Fair enough. It's it's getting towards the 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 trade deadline. That's when Barnes and especially Herter mm-hmm. start slowing down that we've seen in seasons past. Mm-hmm. Even Murray probably going to need a little bit of a breather. Maybe. He's, you know, working a little harder on both ends now and you're already seeing it. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. I could, I could, I could see that just for that reason. The mm-hmm. Kings always kind of, well, maybe not the Kings, but players start to start to get tired and we'll see. Hopefully not. Hopefully I'm right. I also want to know is Malik Monk's foot 100%? Yeah, Malik Monk, that's another like small topic, is that he has not been shooting the ball well like the last couple of games. Right. And I'm it's like I don't know, is it his foot or is he just like I what I always say about Malik is that he's inconsistent. He misses that first shot of the game or first two shots. You kinda already know. It's like, ugh. True. This is gonna get bad. Or not bad, but he's not he's not it's hard for him to come out of that. Yeah, I think he always has those issues with consistency, but I think they're exacerbated by injuries. Because I remember, I think it was late November into December or late December into January last year, he kind of went through a bit of a slump, and Mike Brown was commenting on him being a little nicked up. Mm -hmm. And I've always wondered, he's a smaller guy, he seems more susceptible to injury. So I always wonder about that, but, you know, they talk about the Kings being at full health right now, and I'm like, are they? (laughs) That's a good point. So it'd be interesting to see... How Monk's foot gets better, if it gets worse, or if anything happens there. I don't. I, I'm not exactly 100 percent sure. But call up Jordan Ford. Call him up, baby. Number 31. You're <laughs> gonna drop a 31 in the score column. There you go. Off the bench. But yeah, I don't know. Go ahead, buy a Jordan Ford jersey at Kings.com. Use the code CapCityCraft. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. See what it says. <laughs> They'd be like those guys. <laughs> yeah, for real. But all right, I think that's all we got this week. Do you have anything to wrap it up with? No, everything's unwrapped. It's after Christmas. All right, I like it. Hawks on Friday. Grizzlies on Sunday. Sunday, yeah, and we might talk Monday or Tuesday to you guys. But um, all right, I want to thank you all for tuning in. Until next one, and let's restart this. As always, I want to thank you all for tuning in, and until next time, have a good one.